I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. In Ireland, we love a good story, and I'm lucky enough to be able to chat to people from all over the world to hear their story and to hear about their life in Dublin. In this podcast, we want to be able to learn from the stories of others so that people who have recently moved to Dublin can get the most out of their time here. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty pretty funny, like, and... uh, the Viper was this kind of slimy character who like deal drugs and uh, said shit about your mother. But again, he's just a loner who drives around in his car and, you know, no one really liked him. But the guy himself, Francis Higgins, is a, is a, I guess you would call him an artist at the moment. He's a comedian. He does a, a live streams on Twitch and he has a couple of different characters that he likes to do and things like that but the viper would be the, the most famous one he does but uh he started doing like live twitch streams <laughs> and just long ones where he played a character who he said he used to work for nato but he would drive the bus for nato you know <laughs> and uh, he plays essentially bus simulator game on i've seen live streams like that yeah, yeah exactly really... you know people do bus yeah. and he used to do uh, Aer Lingus, you know like flight simulator games and but he'd be narrating and uh, he worked for rt for a while where he did this kind of spoof uh the spoof uh, spoof vaccine uh, where he kind of goes over to england and tries to expose everybody about the about the the vaccine it was really it was quite funny mm-hmm. but, uh, uh, but my brother actually was working for rt at the time and RT or RTE? RT, Russia Today. Like. Okay. And uh, he has since left the, yeah. uh, prior to the uh, the war kicking By off. By the way, for anybody listening, uh, this conversation started 
from the point of view of really, really long uh, live streams. Uh, and then we just uh, went on a tangent. So sorry, Ross, just so people listening actually know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, my, my brother was working for RT and they, they needed like a body double. Uh, and he is um, like uncannily similar in look and stature uh, to Francis Higgins as well. Okay. So my pro- your my, brother. My brother. So he ends up playing the body double for the Viper on the Viper's Vax. Um, there's like a YouTube video on uh, the Russia Today YouTube channel, which is pretty hilarious, to be honest, because he just rips the piss out of Russia and he goes over to Russia and all these kind of things. But Wow, he found his, well, I was going to say niche market, but then Russia, pretty big country. <laughs> <laughs> bit, yeah. A bit bigger than niche, yeah, I'd say, yeah. 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 But originally he would get... Um, uh, he would get like, you know, like the France 24, uh, the France 24 videos where they just have cameras, shots of things that are happening around the world with no audio. He would get that and then narrate over it and say what was happening in the videos. And that's kind of how he started doing these kind of funny live stream videos. But he's kind of extended into doing you know, the Frank McCourt uh, <laughs> RTE yeah. debacle. Yeah. He performs that for like eight minutes straight, playing all the characters under a bridge while people are walking down this kind of greenway. And uh, you should check So it. for anybody, can, can you explain for people listening, what is the Frank McCourt debacle in Ireland or how that would be best explained? You're putting me on the spot. Uh, <laughs> I, I've seen the I've seen the original video, uh, the one of the Late Late Show, where uh, Frank McCourt is being interviewed by Pat Kenny on the Late Late Show, and a guy from Limerick accuses him of lying about what was in the book, and Frank McCourt goes on to say that this is a fictional character that he makes up, and then your man keeps calling him a liar, and it's just comedy gold from an Irish TV standpoint. <laughs> but, yeah, well, like a real situation, but ended up being comedy gold. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But your man Francis Higgins goes and performs it like a, a very good piece. Like he practiced this and he he knew the, the, the different characters and he had little subtleties in the voice that you'd know each character. So he put a lot of work into this just as a, a one bang take. Uh, and then people just walk by the camera while he's filming it, and he goes, hello. <laughs> and, uh, it's just really, really good. I definitely will ch- I check it out. Like, I like it. Should we start the podcast? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I, I mean, we, we started, have started, but, we have started, but, you know. I've just been uh, rambling on. <laughs> um, I'm pretty tired today, but look, listen, we'll, we'll, we're going to have a great conversation anyway. And I'm looking at it, I've had a coffee. It's what, it's half past seven in the evening. I have always wanted to know like what people's opinion on this is, but is coffee good for you or bad for you? I've heard both. Okay. Like I've heard, oh, if you drink coffee, it will help your heart. You won't have as oh. many heart problems. Interesting. But on the other hand. It gives me heart palpitations. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It makes me feel really sick at one point. But yeah. I mean, in moderation, maybe. I guess isn't that everything? I don't know. I, I, I drink. Nah. I think I abuse it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I abuse coffee yeah. for sure. But, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't. I don't really know. My uh, my sister's husband likes to have a a, a la a, an espresso at like ten o'clock at night. He might have ADD. 
if you can sleep after caffeine with no problem, you might have attention stuff. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Where did that come from? Because I think since it's a stimulant for most, and if you're like your brain chemistry is slightly off because you have attention issues, it will like level it out and it will like make you feel that could be true. A I little also, bit more stable. Interesting. Yeah. That could be true. I just think he's Portuguese, so <laughs> <laughs> they've been drinking coffee straight out of the womb, I think. That's, that's, my dad used to have a, a cup of coffee in the evenings, and I could never really understand it. Um, and never seemed to affect him. He always seemed to sleep well. Uh, so there you go. I've never heard there that. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Linda, welcome to the podcast. Thank uh, you. Thanks so much for coming. Really appreciate it. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and when you came, how long you've been here and all these types of wonderful things. Yeah, um, I'm from Toronto uh, and I left Toronto when I was 18 and moved to New York City. And I did my undergrad in photography and creative writing. And I lived there for the past five years um, and then made the decision and like choice that like, you know, New York wasn't feeling that good anymore of a fit for my for myself. Um, studio art was a weird thing to study because it made me slightly cynical on institutionalized art art okay. practice, yeah. which, you know, I, I love it. And I'm, I would have never wanted to go anywhere else, but it was, um, it was a lot. And then I was like, you know, I want to change. I want to study art at a more vernacular level and storytelling and song. I found this program like at UCD for folklore and I was like, Hey, it's in Dublin. Um, I've been here back in January and I loved it. I had like one of the best times I'd ever had on a trip, um, met some really, really great people. And then I thought, you know, rip off the Band-Aid, make a, another move, make, do a bit of a change for myself. And I moved here back in August. Wow. Yeah. What a, that's, I've got a lot of questions. That's really <laughs> cool. Um, so you left Toronto when you were 18. Yeah. Um, I've never been to Toronto. I'd love to go. You should. It's, um, yeah, it's a good city. How, how was growing up in Toronto? I'm... I was talking to my parents recently about it, um, about how grateful I was to be able to have grown up in a city at the, in my opinion, like the best time, you know, in, in terms of like my parents being able to afford to like have a house. There wasn't a housing shortage. I went to a good public school. I went to a public art school. Um, it was very, it was a good city to, to grow up in because I felt like there was everything there. There's like so many different forms of music and museums and galleries and record shops and my my parents were very um keen on always like bringing my sister along to shows and my dad was sneaking me into bars to see music when i was like 15 16. amazing so i'm i'm very lucky to have grown up there yeah yeah um, and so what sparked the move to new york was that like a kind of a childhood dream like or, or was purely because of what you wanted to study i like originally hated New York when I was a kid and I, I could have never imagined ever wanting to live there for a bit but I ended up finding a program where I could study um, I could do two degrees in five years wow so I was able to do that um, I also it was close enough to Toronto where I could still feel like I was part of my family and my friends lives but still far enough away to feel like I've grown up a bit at 18 um and it was a great city because, again, it was like Toronto amplified like 500 percent. There was so much more. And so, yeah. right. It was a bit of a also a bit of, um, you know, 
idolization of the U.S. as a destination, mm-hmm. too. Like, okay. I grew up like, oh, New York's the destination. If you want to pursue photography and writing, you know, go yeah. to the states. You'll, you'll be, you'll be set, and then you'll live in a beautiful loft with beautiful you loft, know, yeah. really beautifully decorated art. You'll get yeah. coffee from your yeah. favorite shop every day. You know exactly. Yeah. Uh, and what happened? <laughs> What's the reality? <laughs> Got disillusioned, man. I got yeah. disillusioned. No, studio um, art, man. Yeah, studio <laughs> art. I was angry. No, um, in reality, I, I don't really know what happened. I just COVID hit, and then you know I could blame it on COVID, but I feel like that's a bit of a cop out. Um, I think I had just like grown away from the idea that to be an artist you had to work in the field of of art. Like so, for instance. When I was like younger, I thought, okay, if I want to be a photographer, I'll move to New York, have my own studio, I'll do commercial photography. I don't like commercial photography, you know. Um, hmm. But I, I thought, you know, there's a lot in this city. I don't really want to pursue the arts. I don't want to pursue anything on a job level that I did in my undergrad. So there's nothing really keeping me here. Okay. And every time I left New York, I always had the feeling like, oh my gosh, the world is so big. There's yeah. so much more. And then it it kept kind of poking me in the back, like, "Hey, Linda, you can move, and you're you're nothing's tying you here." So I thought, I, I love these types of things when when you like you kind of examine the language that people use around these type of of things. Yeah, I mean, you 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 said there you don't really know why, hundred percent why you wanted to leave New York, but there was something there, and you said it was poking me in the back, and yeah. like what, like what it was actually the inkling, so the inkling. The, yeah. So you know what percentage of like your move was based around logic and rationale and what percentage was like I have I just don't know oh I want to say 30 percent no I need to give myself a bit more credit for being able to use my head 45 <laughs> percent um, logic and rationale and 55 percent I don't know what the reason is, and there may never be a, a reason that appears, but I know. Totally. Right? And, I, and I've been there before in, yeah. in life situations where, in, in my opinion, probably that 45% has just been what I tell people. Yeah. You yeah. know, <laughs> and I just felt like I needed a change, yeah. whether whatever it might be, whether it's your career, your, um, I changed, I remember I changed my degree one year after um, started, like initially leaving school, I started a degree, I, I was like, disillusioned I didn't didn't like it Um, and I changed to a course which no clue really why I picked it literally the reason I logically this is so stupid it was international relations and the reason I gave people is because I used to like reading the international part of the paper (laughs) (laughs) that's right that's yeah Yeah, but I just wanted a change and I was like you know what international relations that'll do that's fine it's a change and then I ended up meeting like the best group of people, you know, I probably got an absolutely useless degree, but at the end of the day, the people for me in my life are worth way more than a degree will ever be. Um, but again, explaining that yeah. logically doesn't really make any sense. Like most people would have said, logically, it was a stupid thing to do because I was in a good degree, actually would have gotten a good job working with, you know, Google or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't for me and it wasn't to be. Um and I think that is maybe something similar to what you you oh, moved 100%. from New York to yeah. to to Dublin. Um, so then, like, 
my my next question, I guess, is is why Dublin? You said you came on a little trip in January. Yeah, I came in January for uh, Tradfest. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, because yeah, I'm big into music. Um, Just for anybody listening, Tradfest is a like a festival of traditional Irish music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah uh, Tradfest was great, and I saw a lot of people that I never thought I'd be able to see. Yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of Ralph McTell, you know, so I got to see him. Okay, you're going to be talking about things that even though we're Irish, no, he's not. You know he's way more than us. Do you know, like, from Clear to Here, the song? Uh, no, no, I'm going to be honest. You should check it out. It's a good song. Yeah, to hear. You, yeah that microphone is here. annoying you, is it? No, I think it's good now. Yeah, yeah. I think it's fine. Um, yeah. Streets of London, another one of his big tracks. You would know it if you heard it. I think I'm Streets sure. of London, I might know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I think um, you're, you're, you're talking to the wrong people. And that's okay. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But How embarrassing for us. No, could you imagine if it's just me like listing things? I would get really I like to call myself story. a citizen of the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So you came during Tradfest. Yeah. And at that point, I had not heard back from any schools. Okay. Um, Because I'd applied in December and early January. Um. And that was really great. Like I, I ended up again meeting people that I was able to talk to about music and art. And it wasn't, it wasn't anything like out of the, out of the norm. Um, and then I was back in March because I. So when I when I left January, I was like, you know what? I haven't heard back from any schools yet. I don't know if I'm even moving here. Uh, so I got a really, really, really like fairly cheap flight from New York to Dublin, came to see the Mary Wallopers. Yeah, them I know, them I yeah. know. TPM. TPM. The only MCs safe, fuck the law and fuck RTE. Okay, they yeah. Well, God, yeah. I'm, I'm, I should have done my research on this one, sorry. It's okay, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to, you know, leave, no, I'm kidding. Um, uh, no, they're, they're, they're really good. They're, rich, yeah. the they're great, great yeah. and they're going on tour um, okay. in November. Where, again, international tour or an Irish tour? Irish tour. Okay. So they're doing like National Stadium and then a show in Belfast and all over. Oh, the National Stadium on um, uh, South Circular Road? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I used to work in the Hertz beside the National Stadium. It's kind of jammed between Griffith College and, and the Hertz on South Circular Road. Mm, it's very okay. strange. It's a boxing. Yeah. It's a boxing yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. There yeah. you go. So, um, the, just so I get this clear in my head, then you had this like a really enjoyable trip. And this yeah. is before you knew what you're, where you were going to study, what you were going to study, all of these types of things. You had applied to different universities yeah. Yeah. Um, and heard back from, from none of them. So mm -hmm. after this trip, you went back to New York? Yeah, for, I was living there pretty much full time until the end of May. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and was that like experience of Tradfest, was that like your first real experience of Irish traditional music? Or this is something you've you've grown up around, you've heard of before, you've listened I, to. Yeah, I grew up around it and listened to it. And I used to go to um I used to play fiddle and I used to go to like a Cape Britain, Cape Breton fiddle session like weekly. Okay. So I'd always been exposed to kind of like the um, you know, the diasporic version of Irish culture through eastern Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, is that because you your your ancestry yeah, is Yeah, my on my dad's side. Oh okay. Um so I've grown up with it. Uh, yeah, and then it I, it was kind of something I I didn't really think about during high school because I was like very very keen on going to New York and doing photography, 
And that kind of re-entered my life a little bit later into yeah. school. Um, because so, that, that kind of explains a little bit to me. So on mm -hmm. your dad's side, you've got Irish ancestry. Yeah. Is it like how far back are we going? Oh, pretty far back. Pretty far yeah. back. Yeah, okay. like three, four generations. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, and has your dad been over to, to Ireland often? or? Um, the first time he went was like in the 90s. He was like the first family member to have gone back. Okay, wow. yeah. to make the connection back. Yeah. Do you know what part of Ireland they have a connection to? Yeah, Cork. Cork. Mm -hmm. All right, really mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, so then you you arrived in Dublin. You got oh. an invitation to yeah. to study folklore mm -hmm. and what was the other thing? Folklore and ethnology. Ethnology. Yeah. Wow, yeah. this is amazing. Yeah, it's fun stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, Irish folklore or folklore yeah. in general? Yeah, Irish folklore, but the professors are kind of. Um, very enthusiastic, whatever you want to study, you can within that field. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like a few people doing stuff about nature and climate and, you know, roles of women and law and music and stuff like that. Dance. Cool. Yeah. Kind of cool. Um, are you able to tell me what would be the difference between folklore here in Ireland or what's it, maybe even Celtic folklore mm -hmm. versus, um, folklore that you'll find in other countries is there anything unique to Irish folklore or yeah I mean it's it's hard to even like this is again a cop-out but like it's hard to even define what folklore is yeah true um because in essence it's merely like the groundwork of what it means to be human and like to connect with others through art through physical making material culture um so yeah there's there's a bunch of very vastly different paths of folklore you can go down. But mm. yeah, I'm there's there's a lot of differences between Irish folklore. Don't yeah. know what they are yet, but I'm Yeah. Yeah. She just started. Just, right? started, she just started yesterday. Yeah. Uh, okay, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure to be honest with you, you probably know more than I do already anyway. Um and I don't know very much. Um but I I, I think just the way you explained it there is a very uh, almost poetic way to to talk about folklore mm -hmm. and um what is it like a, a human it's the what did you say was a human expression yeah of... it's it's like the the groundwork of what it means to be human because it's so like it's all based on communication with someone else yeah like folklore can't exist in a vacuum with one person screaming out like a, a tune or a story it has to exist with others yeah it has to be uh, like yeah passed down through yeah. the years usually through the oral traditions so yeah. people are always kind of listening to what their elders were saying so you know like folklore it's it's the the stories of the old or um eddie lenehan have you mm -hmm. ever listened to eddie lenehan mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. so people in galway might not like eddie lenehan because he was the one who got the uh uh, the motorway blocked because it was going to go through a ferry tree. Oh, so, yeah. uh, but he he does a great podcast himself, and it's uh, I've heard him. Yeah, yeah he's such, such a lovely brogue on him. And, yeah, it's it's really interesting guy to listen to. Mm -hmm. He's a really interesting guy. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Irish folklore. What would be your favorite story from Irish folklore, or is there? like an era of of story that you would really identify with story yeah i i mean i'm so fascinated by like the mid 50s 
to late 60s, like ethnographic photography mm -hmm. um, realm of folklore, because that was happening at a time when there was like a desperate need to preserve what was like, I'm, I'm using quotations, what was left or like the remnants of the old in spite of like this new, again, in quotations, new world. Um, and I always find like looking at these ethnographic photographs, not only is it a cool, like you're looking at remnants of a time, but also it's important to think about, you know, what didn't the photographer capture and what didn't the photographer choose to use in the framing or why did why did he or she choose to pose the the subject in a certain way mm. so i feel like that era of folklore allows me to really consider the subjectivity of the collector as well very interested in also like Seamus Innes mm. and his work collecting songs and you know uh, versus other collectors who were very much like came from city hubs and then would enter into small villages record the songs and leave without interacting with the subjects yeah and that, yeah that kind of brings us back to how myself and yourself met yes um, yeah. so we were we met at the 10th anniversary of a an irish traditional music night held in the cobblestone called the night before larry got stretched and uh, it was in the sugar club the for the, the 10th anniversary and uh, I had arrived kind of before the doors had opened and um, when when I got there I was waiting for someone and I ended up lighting up a cigarette and I was kind of standing back just a little bit at the back of the of the queue and there was a little bit of space in front of me and uh, this old guy and, uh, and an old woman kind of got out and they kind of walked in front of me kind of skipped the queue a little bit i'm not going to get too annoyed you know like they're elderly or whatever and uh then uh my, my girlfriend arrived and um linda joined the queue with a, another french guy david who i'm hoping to get on the podcast soon as well and uh he so we started talking and uh, i started telling uh, neve my girlfriend oh, this, this old biddy in front of me and they, they jumped the queue and stuff like that and uh, my girlfriend being way more uh, knowledgeable on Irish musicians and Irish singers says I think that's Christy Moore and Linda jumps in yeah it is Christy Moore yeah it is Christy Moore <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like he's still a biddy <laughs> but uh, he got VIP treatment he got to jump the whole queue Wow. Well, and, he's I mean, if you're Christy Moore, you can he's do what you want, you know? Yeah. No, my brother works in the, well, I got a free ticket to it. So I got a bit of VIP treatment because my brother works in the, in the night, uh, in the club. But he told me later on that apparently Christy Moore was given out to all the staff that he had to wait. Oh, no. Like, he ain't no ordinary man, I tell you that. Like, he's a bit of, a, a bit of an outbiddy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm standing by it. Um, for, for people who are listening who don't know who Christy Moore is, he's a... Uh, well, we call him a, I don't know if you call him a traditional Irish music musician, but um, he's he's definitely a musician, Irish cultural musician or famous within our culture. He's got some, uh, we'll say, classic songs and um, he's good. You should check him out. If you're listening to this on Spotify, it'll take you about 10 yeah. seconds to. Yeah, he is, uh, he is a, a legend. Yes, yeah, no, he is. And uh, he knows it. <laughs> <laughs> and he knows it. But the, the thing about. Okay, art or folklore in general, which for me is interesting. You you spoke earlier about 
uh, what it means to be human. Um, from at the end of the day, it's a form of communication, mm-hmm. right? I have, uh, like, again, I'm using quotation marks this time, learned things from art or become knowledgeable from art because of art that I somebody could have spent years trying to describe to me, but whatever song that I listened to gave me an, an, a feeling of empathy towards certain people or um, an understanding of a situation that I never had before. And I think that that's really the the beauty of it right mm-hmm. is is that it's if somebody can communicate something to you through whether it's photography or whatever it is um that maybe you never thought of before uh, and th- this i guess the next thing that's coming to my head isn't necessarily art but um it's come to my mind now do you know sometimes we or we read the news listen to the news all the time and it kind of goes in one ear and out the other, mm-hmm. like the actual human impact of it. You just don't. You, oh, you also can't. You can't be like depressed reading every single story that you read every day. But I went to an exhibition once of like uh, the best um, photos journalists took from around the world in that year. And you go in and it, it, it was obviously um, showing photos of, you know, for example, Syria or whatever, and you'd hear all kinds of stories every day in the news about it, but it used to just go in one ear and out the other. But when you see the photos, they're kind of blown up really big of children, women in these horrible situations. Um, it, you come out of there going, whoa, that was uh, impacted mm-hmm. me totally in a way that I didn't expect. And there, there's a visceral nature to uh, an image or a, a song because it's multi, uh, it's multi-layered and everything like that. When you're, li- if you read the news, I mean, there is a style of speech, like record- reported speech, where it's it's talked about in 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 a cold manner. Uh, somebody was killed. You know, it's yeah. not really. If you read a, one of the great, like a great book, or if you read a great poem, it always takes a stance. It always kind of says, "I'm coming from this angle." newspapers and things like that they just don't uh, they don't impact you because i don't think they're just reporting it they're just stating facts um there's no room to insert yourself into it yeah exactly and you know when you talk about folklore or you talk about uh, traditional songs and things like this it's coming from a place from from a point of view and it's it's someone's experience it's not you know we, this is what we did and then that's what we did and then this is what we did no they, they really get really down into the into the dark into the the nitty-gritty of the emotion really um so th- this this might sound a little uh stupid or ignorant uh, but i i actually don't know what ethnology means um so what could you explain what that actually is it's uh the study of people through like culture material culture it's similar to anthropology but okay. a little bit more like specific in a way the study of people through culture yeah so how could we if we were to do a, a study or if mm-hmm. we were to do some research where would we start you could start anywhere okay so um i'm trying to think of like something that would be a good example um you could do like a 
an ethnographic study of the 60s and look at, you know, British pop music mm. and what that said about the culture, the social climate of the time, you know, all of that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, what's your opinion of, of, let's say, global culture at the moment? Um, just like I often, I'm not saying I'm asking you to yeah. give like uh, a researched answer. I'm yeah. just, what, what's your honest, like as Linda, what's your opinion? Global culture. Yeah. Hmm. In what, like global culture as in, you know. Like, I, I guess in terms of what's happening, you know, our, our opinions on things, politics. Mm. Yeah, I feel, I feel like as good as social media is, is it like I found myself really trapped inside certain like bubbles of similar of people thinking the exact same way I do. Um, and, you know, that gets that's all fine and, and dandy until you you start to realize that, oh, wait, not everyone has the exact same opinions as you. But with that being said, I've been in like um, many different places where people have started talking to me. And they have vastly different political opinions as I do. Yeah. Like I was at a gig recently and this woman who was quite drunk started talking <laughs> to me um, about, you know, the vaccine and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and it was actually, I thought it was important to like hear where she's coming from. Yeah. Not not in any sense I agree with anything she was saying. Yeah. Um, but more so just knowing how to communicate better with people that don't think the same way you do. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, I think yeah. that's so important. Isn't yeah. it? And maybe we're losing that ability with social media, because as I'm you said, you. Yeah. you're surrounding yourself with people who generally think similar stuff to you. And um, I think during the pandemic, it was like such a, I found it a difficult time in terms of us and them. I think this way, you think that way, you should do this, we shouldn't do this. And I just found that really hard to deal with because you know we should just respect what people wanted to do and say for example if I see a person walking down the road with a mask now I'm not going to say what an idiot for wearing a mask it's like well if they want to yeah. wear a mask go for it why, like why, why do we have to have an opinion on that I feel like it got worse because we weren't seeing each other face to face yes so we stopped acknowledging that other people actually physically exist yeah, and, and also, like, I think we, maybe we, we started, as you said, there was a disconnection mm -hmm. from how people actually feel because we were separated from each other. Then going back to creating story, maybe the stories in your head about you're, you're creating this whole narrative about what people are thinking. And maybe they're actually thinking totally something different. But if we're constantly communicating through a one hour a week Zoom call um, or, you know, WhatsApp messages, there's so many things which are lost in communication. Um, and I think that was, that's something I really struggled with actually during massively. So uh, looking back on it now coming out of it. Um, Cause like uh, you, you lose the tone of yeah. what person sa says you, you read something, you lose the tone and you have to interpret that tone in the way that you think it's meant to be said even though the person could be ironic or the person might be, you know, feeling lost or like just angry at themselves or, or frustrated with everything outside. And then you have to try and interpret that. And it's never going to be right. It's never going to be a, the way the person intended it to be. Uh, 
I I went through like probably the most drastic. I'm not a violent person. I am not an angry person. How many people did you kill? Four. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, me for I I killed five. Uh, okay. It's um, but w- when everything was kicking off, I just like maybe about four or five months in, I'm just like. I got so frustrated with my phone buzzing with bad news and everyone shouting at each other. I just snapped my phone in half. I mm. physically snapped my phone in half. Yeah. And I started going for runs. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, what? <laughs> what yeah. an amazing thing to do. But yeah. uh, I, I actually felt really liberated. Yeah. Uh, and since then I've bought, I bought one cheap phone, which has lasted me since, since I snapped the other one. Yeah. But that, but, the actual physical breaking of the phone just kind of kind of made me feel really really good yeah and made me feel like i was actually trying to get away from the thing that was dragging me down and uh so i i completely agree with that it's mm. just pure mayhem like how much of uh like education in the future should be because like for any kid going into secondary school say who's got like the basics down like they know how to read and write and all the rest of it do mathematics um how much of it should be them being taught how to filter information or some other technology that's brought in in the next few years where we can really learn how to to understand what information we're taking in what information we need to take in what effects that has on our our health um mental health physical health all of these things like that's a really big thing for me i just think i, I this is totally off topic i'm, nope, I can't I'm believe, with you yeah. like literacy when it comes to like just like internet literacy needs to really be Absolutely. more understood yeah but i don't know if we'll be able to fully understand it until the kids who are experiencing it now are like older yeah. right yeah well, I think I'm like, I don't think it has to be kids. Adults too. I, like, yeah, more so sometimes I think. Yeah. Um, how, how often have you been lost in something online that is just not doing you any favors, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's fine sometimes, you know, every now and then like, it's nice to just watch absolute garbage and just helps to take your mind off things. But other times maybe you could be spending your time in a much more uh, healthy way for you or learning something new um i don't know anyway it's just a thought it's kind of off topic but uh it came it came to me there um well speaking of what's like on at the moment i think the most uh the hottest topic online uh, is the death of the queen you know i and this is i'm segueing i have a segue here yeah I have, you come from Canada. Yes. You uh, technically were a part of the Commonwealth. Still are. Still are. And uh, what's your association with the monarchy and how have you felt that reflects in Irish culture now that you're here? I was hoping you'd bring this up. No, um, I was in I have a, a list. Uh, yeah, I was in Boojum when I heard the Queen died. <laughs> Getting a in Boojum, Boojum. Yeah. yeah, good burrito. Bowl. Didn't the Queen really enjoy a good Boojum as well? <laughs> I heard that. Yeah. She would have loved it. Now, um, I I celebrated uh, a lot that night, but um, 
when I grew up. <laughs> celebrated what? <laughs> the death of the queen. Oh, okay. oh my gosh. <laughs> and the bujum and being alive. Um, but I grew up, yeah, in Toronto and in Ontario, which is the province it's in. Um, in every single classroom, there is a photograph of the queen hanging above the clock. Really? Yes. Wow. We have the queen on our money. That I knew. Um, I was always, my, my dad raised me to be very, very, um, anti-monarchy, mm. like radically. My dad was, uh, almost the RCMP showed up at his door when he was a teenager because he started like the, the, the country police, um, okay. the provincial police showed up at his door because he had started to create the abolishment of the monarchy party. In Ontario. Okay. All right. And so they showed up knocking on his door and saying like, hey, you know, this is treason. Um, so I've I've been very aware of that growing up. But being here, it was, it felt like a holiday. When, when Like, you know, it, it really did. It felt like, because everyone was on the street screaming that the queen had died. Uh, really? I wasn't, I wasn't in the city, so. Yeah, it was, it was uh, pretty fun. <laughs> so it was, it was like a celebration. It was a celebration. Yeah. Everything was packed. Um, one of my friend's flatmates was very distraught about the queen dying, which, you know, um, but yeah, it, it's interesting to be here to have experienced that excitement. Yeah. I know that sounds really grim. So if anyone listening, just no, like, listen, I, I am, I, I'd be with you in the sense that I, I don't agree with uh, monarchy or maybe just the idea of another person being better than you that I just mm -hmm. don't, you know. Um, maybe that's not what monarchy represents. Maybe there's much more to it than that. But I am absolutely delighted that we don't have that. Let's say in in Ireland, we don't yeah. have a monarch in Ireland. I'm I'm very proud of that. And, and you should be. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and I'm delighted with that. Um, and I don't. I I just don't take the monarchy seriously in any way. But I'm, I'm lucky enough to not have to because yeah. it doesn't in, impact me in any in a, any way. Like. Maybe in the past it was totally different if you were an Irish person, and you know, talking about the monarch, they might have had a direct impact on you as in your life, but it's not the case anymore for us. Um, so for her dying as a person, I'm sorry for her and her family, the same way if Ross was to tell me that his granny died, I'd be equally well, in more actually, sorry for Ross yeah. and, and his family, yeah, but yeah, I'd be, yeah, I'd be a lot yeah. more. I, I like that. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like at the yeah. end of the day, it's just a person. Um, and this whole kind of charade that goes around with mm -hmm. it and like, uh, but I also wonder, I'm a little bit cynical and how much of this has just all got to do with, with money, you know, oh, 100%. And like, because yeah. she is a huge tourist attraction uh, to the UK, to London, like all of the people going to Buckingham Palace, taking pictures, all I the shops that selling stuff Buckingham around like flew to London the moment they heard she was sick and went to Buckingham Palace to see what would happen. No, yeah. yeah 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 so but you know that's that's great and maybe she was happy and we shouldn't judge that but at the end of the day what i'm trying to say is people are making money from her decision oh, to do course. that but if yeah. it wasn't for the queen she wouldn't have gone there and you know there's tourists from all over the world who go to to london to take mm -hmm. pictures and to you know with the guards standing outside and them marching around like like they can't move their legs properly um <laughs> but uh, so that's kind of my opinion on it. So I understand, like, your point of view of, you know, was, being anti-monarchy and stuff yeah. like that. And I, I kind of am a too. But at the same time, I'm trying to just be respectful in, in the sense that 
she was a person and I'll give her the same respect as I'll give anybody else and their families when somebody passed away. But the whole charade around it is kind of laughable, to be perfectly honest. I'm just, yeah. in, I'm just in it for the memes. To Me be too. Honest. Yeah, like, the memes are pretty, you know, it's all pretty about fab. The, the meme games at the moment, there was a, a great one where it was Will and uh, Will and who's his wife? I don't know. The, Kate. Will and Kate. Mm -hmm. And then uh, what's the other guy's name? Harry. Harry mm -hmm. and uh, Megan. They were walking down and it was Megan and Harry were linked arm in arm. And there was probably about two persons distance between Kate and Will. And then the ta the line over it is, wait, I'm about to be an expert in body language. <laughs> so uh, like some uh, yeah. great image, great image. How the old memes, mm. they keep the internet going. Yeah, they do <laughs> yeah. keep yeah. me going. So no, but I'm with you. Yeah, it's, it's a very different when it's kind of very blatantly cast over your, your upbringing as being Canadian, seeing God save the queen at special occasions. Very weird. Mm -hmm. That is weird. Okay, I it's really that. weird. Yeah. Um, but you know, you're right. Like it's everything is can be made into something for someone to profit from. You know. Did um did the queen visit? Yeah. I don't even really like talking about the queen very much. No, but quite a bit. And yeah, did yeah. she visit Canada yeah. often? Yeah. Uh, Prince Harry lived in outside of Toronto for a bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine he lived like in. You know, Mansion. small apartment was it? No, yeah, you're right. It was a one. It was a it was a studio apartment. You know, half yeah. half bath. I can imagine him there making toast. Yeah. I have this image in his head. You know, they didn't even have struggling bread. to get by. They just they had one egg and yeah. and a pound of butter. And yeah. That's it. Well, moving swiftly on. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you've settled. You seem to have settled into life here in Ireland. You know, celebrating the death of the Queen, going <laughs> yeah. to gigs all the time. Mm -hmm. um, you've started university and all that. Um, what, like, what has been the, what has been the, I guess, the the atmosphere here? Like, what has it kind of brought you that has been missing from your time in New York? A larger sense of community, I think. Um, I had I had a really good community in New York with friends and and certain venues and and clubs and stuff um for music but I find here like it's been it's been a really good atmosphere going to gigs and kind of seeing people that you've seen at other gigs being like oh my gosh hey like you were at I don't know the last fibbers show mm. how are you you know um which has been very surprising only being here a month and that's been happening um you, also, ha you had a really sorry for yeah. you had a really I would classify it as an Irish experience where really? you uh, I, I'll give you an example of what okay. happened to me and then you can kind of tell me a little bit about yours uh, during the summer I was working and a, an American girl had come to uh, work with a bunch of students and I had met her maybe about three days and um, that weekend I went to a wedding and I was out, I was up all night. The next day I was walking home still in the suit and I walked like all the way home, went, got straight into bed, slept until the next morning and then I went back into work. And as I walked in, the girl says, oh, hey, Ross, I, I saw you on Sunday. And I'm just like, Sunday? The only, the only time I was out in the open was when I was walking home hungover as 
you know, as, as much as it could be. Uh, and, and you saw me in an app, probably the worst state I'd been in about six months. And she literally knows nobody else. You had an even more unique. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so at the Sugar Club show, I met you at um, in the smoking area after when the singing was still happening around 132. There was a guy standing next to me, probably a couple years younger than me. And we just briefly spoke about music. And I was like, oh, why, why are you here? Like, it, I, you know, just who did you come for um, in the gig? And we spoke very briefly. And and then that was that. And I was like, okay. Then a week and a half later, I was in Dunleary at a pavilion to see a taping of a podcast. And I see him in the, in the, you know, the where the the toilets and bar is. And I look at him and he looks at me and we're like, oh, hi. Like, it was very weird because it just, there were maybe 20 people no, in really. the crowd at the podcast, yeah. 30. And then- What was the podcast? Uh, Fire Draw Near, okay. which is Ian Lynch's podcast mm. about music and folklore and stuff. Brilliant. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and then I went to the National Con Concert Hall a few nights ago. Yeah, a few nights ago. And I- see him in the crowd and I'm like, okay, that's even weirder. But then I thought, you know, it makes sense. All of the gigs are kind of linked in some way. Um, then I was sitting in class yesterday and talking to a friend of mine and he walks in my classroom and he's <laughs> no in way. my class oh my God. Yeah. about song collecting. So it makes sense. But then I, I turned to him and, and I'm like, nice to finally officially meet you. It's about time. I bumped into you maybe three times before yeah. this. Yeah. Um, very, That's really cool. Yeah. And he's from California. Oh, is no he? So, which it, but his parents are from here. So it's very weird how yeah. like, oh. yeah, very weird. Come here for anybody who wants to like Irish music is, is a good way to, to try and get to understand Irish culture a little bit better. Um, for anybody who's listening and has recently moved to Dublin and they're like, yeah, I'd like to start you know, getting into this community that you're talking about, mm -hmm. how would you recommend um, someone to, to go about that? It's uh, advice that my parents gave me when I went to New York, when okay. I moved. And they said, whatever it is, whatever you want to, you know, build your community around, go, go to the same spot once a week, try to oh. stick to the same day, but just go there once a week and then you'll become like kind of an ex not an expert, but like you'll you'll at least be acquainted to one space in the city. So if you want to become acquainted with like a music scene or whatever that may be, like to go to the same spot, like as much as you can without feeling like you're living there. So like the cobblestone, like try going to the cobblestone once a week and you'll start to see the same people um, or just like honestly talk to people who are at the same shows you are and ask if they if they know of anything happening and then that's how you kind of build build a bit of that community brilliant so yeah. i assume then that that place that's great advice that your parents gave to you yeah. i've never heard it but it's great advice yeah um is the is the cobblestone your your spot where you've yeah i've been there quite a bit um i've also been to fibbers quite a bit uh that's more of the the punk scene the rock mm. scene um, I've seen, like, there's a monthly show by this band named The Deadlyans, and they invite, like, three, four different bands every single month, and they're all pretty young, new and up and coming, and one of the bands, that was their first show they had ever done, so you really oh. get, like, this very nice, warm, welcoming 
environment to like listen to music and yeah yeah it's really nice um are, are those gigs that you go to say for example in fibbers or the cobblestone do you have to pay into those fibbers i've never paid more than like a like 10 euro to okay. get into and the cobblestone is free if you're in the front room but i think they they charge if there's stuff in the back room Depend, okay depends on depends the, on the yeah. gig that's going on depends on who's playing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense yeah that's I, I think that's really good advice and for people who are listening I, yeah. I think that might be really something you can take away from this is that one one spot a week because it's true people and that might not you might not be interested in Irish music but it could it be, could be uh, anywhere uh, yeah. yeah I don't know you're watching football you go to the same mm -hmm. sports bar every week or whatever or go then, to the same museum or gallery or yeah yeah um yeah. Or cafe even. Yeah. Just, I used to, and I don't often go to to cafes, but there's one where beside where we used to work called Simon's Cafe. Um, and I used to like it because... Simon's Place. Simon's Place. Excuse me, I must have a play. Um, <laughs> Come on, get it right. Simon's Place. Simon's Place Cafe, or we'll just call it Simon's Place. Um, it's, if for anybody, it's georgia street how many times have i said for anybody listening today i apologize i'm just repeating the same thing over and over again we'll blame the coffee <laughs> um it's it's on it's in georgia street arcade or just off georgia street there Um, i used to like it and i still do like it but i don't have much time to go anymore because you you just go in they've got like really basic but wholesome good sandwiches oh nice and you don't have to stand in the queue for ages because I used to go at like one o'clock, whereas most people would be in there for lunch and it would just be really quick and a, a great sandwich. And I used to get a packet of crisps and I have a coffee as well. And then over time, I just went back and back and back because in that area where other options will say for food in the area, there was always a queue. But Simon's Place, they had like four or five people working. It was super quick. But what do you want? So I was like, yeah, that that's great. How'd you go? Um, and I got to know them there mm -hmm. after, well, not know them, but become acquaintances. And they, they knew they learned my name because I used to have my name tag on. So they're like, oh, Mark, you're back again. And the same again. You're like, yeah. And then you start to feel comfortable. And I'm obviously from Dublin. It's totally different. But for anybody um, who wants to feel more part of the city, I think that's a really good a, a piece of advice because don't try to do everything at once. Pick a spot. Mm. Because that gets so isolating to try to feel like you need to get to know a city in its entirety. You'll never be able to. But yeah, yeah just pick that one yeah. one spot. When I, when I was living in Vietnam, uh, I lived in Hanoi. And I used to go to a bunch of different like faux spots just to kind of get some grub. And I was like, Gee, this is so expensive. Like, why, do, why am I getting charged like uh, four or five euro for a meal? Like, you know, and everyone else is saying that it's super cheap. Like. And then I kind of went to this one spot when I was super drunk and I'm like, this is the best pho I've ever had in my life. I'm definitely coming back here. And I went back and it was kind of on my way to work. So, you know, I'd, I'd kind of grab it in the morning and then that'd be my kind of my morning, my morning pho. And then one day. Your morning what? Pho. <laughs> P-H-O. Accent. Uh, <laughs> I was like, it's kind of like, like your morning soup. what? <laughs> it's like a noodle soup. I think we, we all know what we thought you said. Uh, uh, whatever. Uh, but anyways, back to my story. I was uh, used to uh, used to go there, and for the first couple of times, I'm like, you yeah, know, it's the same price as everywhere else, but it's really good, and the old lady who makes it is really really nice. And then one day, I, I come in and I pull out the hundred thousand 
that it was going to be. And then she's like, it's an expensive sandwich. Uh, I, I, I want an expensive foot. I want to say 100,000. <laughs> See, the currency is dong. So that's another thing oh my in itself. Like, so, so you whipped out your dong, yeah, dong for your morning I foot. I me dong on the table. <laughs> and then the old lady says, wow, that's too big. <laughs> I want something smaller. So yeah. she started charging me 50,000 50, instead. And, uh, and I was like, wow. She knows that I'm coming back, so she's giving me the real price now. It's kind of you've waited through the tourists. It was yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was an acceptance into society that you you're like people. She remembers my face, and uh, even though I just look like generic skinny black haired Irish guy, uh, it's he. She was like, yeah, you you're gonna get the good native price, so. I think uh, I think it's the same place. Just keep going, frequenting the same places, and people become familiar with you, and you'll have a little a good time. What kind of? So you're, how long is your degree actually going to be here? One year. One year until late August. Um, mm -hmm. Do Do you know how long you plan to stay? Is it just the year? I know I have two years on a visa after my degree is done, and then who knows? Mm. Yeah. Um, do you think you might like to stay? I know that you don't know, but yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm in Europe or maybe try somewhere else. At this point, I feel pretty, I know it's been a month and a bit, but I feel pretty content staying here for a while. Yeah. Um, only because I can't imagine doing another big move soon. Yeah. It's a lot of work, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Was... Financially and, and mentally, it's, it takes a lot out of you. Like, yeah. 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 yeah, seeing all your stuff in boxes and packed up, you're like, huh? Yeah, yeah. This is weird. Yeah. I, I remember when I was coming back from, so I lived in Spain for a little while, um, and then I kind of wanted to move to either Barcelona or Madrid. Um, I know that doesn't make any sense. So I was living in a city called Las Palmas, which is in the Canary Islands, and I, wa I wanted to move from there. And my first reaction was I want to continue living in Spain but I want to be in a bigger city so my first feeling was to go to either Barcelona or Madrid but I didn't know anyone there at the time well not really um and I just didn't feel like starting from zero somewhere so that was the reason why I came back to Dublin really just you know I had the support of friends and family and I knew all the things I needed to know um just the idea of going and finding places to live and doing I just didn't have the energy for it in that moment in time um so I totally get what you mean yeah 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 it's a it's a it's a big deal especially you've I mean like have you brought a lot of stuff with you I didn't bring that much stuff this yeah. time around I didn't get to bring any of my instruments or what instruments do you play uh a bit of guitar cool um I started playing the bazooki like the yeah what is that it's like it started as a greek instrument but in like the mid 60s a couple of artists like johnny moynihan um who's an irish artist brought the bazooki back and a guitar maker flattened the back and made it a bit more guitar like okay yeah so it's a bit of a hybrid um bazooki. yeah it's a cool instrument mm -hmm. yeah, check yeah. that out David, if I'm not mistaken, he does, yeah. plays the bazooki. So yeah. The French guy who I want he's, to get on the He's podcast. very good. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's, uh, he plays the bazooki. He's a great player, yeah. actually. Yeah. I, weirdly enough, I was following him on Instagram before I even 
Met him. Met him. No way. Yeah, and I don't know how that happened. That's cool. Yeah. That's uh, yeah, because I'm uh, I was at the international bar uh, right. on Monday night, and he he played, and uh, he was just very very talented. And he had a great song about uh, about the rent prices in Dublin, and he said <laughs> he sings it in a real kind of old French style. It's really it's really beautiful. Like, but he cool. Did, yeah, he's really cool. Hmm. Um. All right. So you've got a bit of guitar, the the bazooki. Mm-hmm. Um. What else? Grew up playing fiddle. Haven't played that for a while. Um, I I bought a surety box recently, which is like, it's hard to explain, but it's like a wooden box that has these keys that you can let air out of. Mm. And then you kind of like squeeze it. Okay. And pump it in a way. Like it's kind of like a, a harmonium, but like a mini harmonium. Some sort of... Uh, it like sits on the table. Accordion? Sort of. Okay. But like it, it sits on the table and it has legs, and then you like kind of. Oh, okay. yeah. Cool. And <laughs> uh, yeah. where would you even buy something like that? I got it at this um, music shop in Dublin, near um, Saint Stephen's Green. It's like a a world instrument music shop. Okay. They have like really crazy stuff in there. It's really cool. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, well, it's not going to mind. I don't know where it is. Um, we'll go for a look. Yeah. Um, sorry, you, you you don't really know what you're going to do. You might end up living here for who knows yeah. how long. Um, you might end up exploring some other places in Europe or, or going yeah. back. You don't know yet. Yeah, and, and especially considering that this is a master's I'm doing, like I'm hoping it will it will lead to something. Yeah. So, yeah. Brilliant. Um, we normally finish the podcast with a couple of questions. I'm not sure if Ross was uh, saying this to you, but... Um, you, you, you'll, you'll do okay anyway. They're not, they're not the most Pop difficult. Quiz. He, he, he's, uh, he's nodding his head as if, yes, of course I did. So, um, the first question is one of your, not, not your favorite place, but mm-hmm. one of your favorite places in, in Dublin. Uh, I'd have to say the cobblestone. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the best night of the week to go to the cobblestone? Oh, that's a good question. It depends what you want to, like, kind of what you want the energy to be like. Mm. I went on a Monday night once, and it was absolutely, like, there were barely, like, there was barely anyone else there, and that was really nice. But then if you go on, like, a Thursday or Friday, it's very lively. You always end up meeting really interesting people passing through, so. Brilliant. Yeah, any day, actually. Um, You've only been here a short amount of time, Mm -hmm. but this might be. Uh, a good opportunity to, because you're, you're experiencing things right now yeah. on, on on the go. But if you were talking to someone who say, "Hey, Linda, you know, I'm thinking about moving to to Dublin. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for me?" What would you say to them? Well, they're like, you know, there's silly advice, but you know, bring a good umbrella. <laughs> I've gone through two really, really crappy umbrellas yeah. so far, um, but. I'd say like my more, you know, serious advice would be to not to not try to rush through getting to know the city because it beca- it can be be really really daunting and um, isolating and disheartening when you're in a new city and you want to experience you know what you think is the authentic life there. You want to have you know a group of friends to go out with every night or whatever you may want you may may want to do. But I think like being patient and 
being patient with yourself and allowing yourself to adjust to a city. Um, also, like I said before, like pick one thing you like and explore that once a week. Go to the same pub once a week. Go go check out movie theaters and as much different cinema. I've seen like a lot of really cool Irish cinema here. Um, and do things that kind of might intimidate you at the beginning, but it's never as bad as it seems. Good advice. Yeah. Um, and I think like one thing or one common theme that I think is the best advice that we've heard across all of the people that we've had on the podcast is no really if if it's moving to a new city or 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 any change or, or actually just maybe life in general mm-hmm. um you have to go for it and you have to make it happen yourself and you you put a plan and you you kind of take action and I think nowadays we're all super result orientated like the result being i want friends that's been the result or or you know i'm gonna go here because i want a new group of friends or you know i'm gonna do a podcast because this will be the result mm-hmm. um and for the you know just talking about the podcast point of view there's actually i have, we don't have no clue what this is gonna do or re- what result this will lead to but we just enjoy it and it, it's about i think that's taken me a long time to learn that but again it's just about, and without using a huge cliche uh, of trying to enjoy the journey of it as opposed to, you know, where it's going to actually bring you, like not fixating on that. Yeah. But yeah. by at the same time, having said that, making things happen for yourself. Like you've got to go out, you, you go to the cobblestone every week, you like you're here a month, you seem to be so deeply in the culture and getting out there and meeting people like Ross and that's really impressive and that's gonna hopefully result in a, an amazing time for you but don't focus on the result just you're you're just doing it mm-hmm. um, and I think some people that we've spoken to not on the podcast but just maybe um, in, in our daily lives and maybe talking about life in Dublin or whatever um, are kind of passive about and expecting things and I kind of I, I don't want to say it to them I don't want to be mean but it's like well like what are you like okay you have a problem you don't like it, well, what are you doing about it you have mm-hmm. to do something like don't expect this problem to just go away or disappear and then maybe look at it in- internally and go it was actually the problem inside you or external like you also have to make oh, account yeah. of that as well similarly like when I know a lot like when I left New York a lot of people were like, oh, well, you know, your problems won't automatically leave when you leave New York. Like, don't, like I think that's also a big part. Whenever you experience a change, you have to also understand that if there's something going on, it just won't heal itself in a way. They'll follow you. Wherever we go, yeah. we bring our minds with us. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, the, yeah, like, and that's another kind of balance that you have to to get used to in your day-to-day life with kind of balancing what's going on in your environment going with what's going on in your internal environment and how the two are interacting and is there a healthy relationship between the two and you kind of got to take that, those things into account as well and um, Linda it's been an absolute pleasure oh, having you on the you. podcast Um really really enjoyed it I feel maybe we should have a chat again in in a year <laughs> and we're going to go more deeply into Irish folklore and uh, you're going to teach us because I'd love to learn more about that. I, to be honest with you, I, I'm 
very high macro level knowledge on Irish folklore and to be able to listen to someone teach me a little bit about the ins and outs of a certain aspect of it would be really really cool um and maybe you can bring your bazooki the next time too and the shruti box (laughs) can't forget about that of course and for anybody listening thanks a million for for tuning in really appreciate it we've got some really nice support since we've started which i've been kind of blown away with and i think that's so nice um would really appreciate it if you could share the podcast maybe just one friend it makes all the world of difference to us give us a quick rating on spotify or whatever you're listening to us on um uh, or follow it i think you can subscribe to it on spotify i've seen people doing that too so that's really cool um ross any uh beautiful and final last words the queen is dead long live the memes (laughs) (laughs) nice nice i was thinking of that one for a while (laughs) even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.